We've got breaking news at swineweb.com. Joining me is Dr. Scott D. Scott, how are you? Yeah, I'm good to see you. I'm doing great. Thanks for an opportunity to visit with you and your, your membership. We had a great chat uh, a couple months ago about the next generation biosecurity. And yesterday you contacted me about breaking news. What what What's happening, Scott? Well, yesterday morning, we published a paper describing the first incursion of Seneca virus into a naive national herd, most likely through the importation of soybean meal from an endemically infected country. So as you know, we've been studying this feed risk for eight years, mostly lab-based work. However, this is very different. This is a real world situation. So uh, we thought this was really important for everybody to know because it really, I think, justifies the need to be concerned about the risk of feed as a vehicle for viral transmission. And like I said, we talked about this a few months ago and now it's first of its kind happening right now. Can you just explain a little bit more about this, how it's first of its kind? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's no case like this in the literature. So this is an actual case where a country, which I can't disclose identities of countries or companies, but it doesn't really matter where it happened. The fact is a, a country that had a naive national herd to Seneca virus, as we all know, is a cousin to foot and mouth disease virus that causes vesicular lesions. So the whole country was free of this virus. Then all of a sudden they became infected and saw clinical signs of lesions of vesicles on the nose and feet. They tested, they found out it was Seneca and not FMD. So this was the first incursion of a novel agent into this naive national herd. So right on the breaking edge, the cusp of the infection episode we were. And so writing this up was really important. So you would say this validates the lab work that you've conducted the last eight years? I think it does. You know, when the company, the company veterinarians, who unfortunately I can't disclose, but the production company that experienced the disease had some just outstanding clinicians and they went into the field and they conducted a diagnostic investigation to try to understand how this virus had entered not only their farms, but also their country. And so they sampled taking dust samples of surfaces, of warehouses, of equipment, uh, dust samples of feed ingredients that they had imported from many different countries. They took grain probe samples of those feed ingredients. And so they did a really nice job of trying to figure out how this happened. And uh, we promised not to disclose the identities if they allowed us to publish this case. You know, so they shared their data. And so I saw their information and I thought it was fantastic. So that's what we wrote up and put this out there. So I'm really more of the newspaper reporter on this case. These guys did the work and they did a great job. I wish I could tell you who they were, but maybe someday. So the basis that this was found in soybean meal. Yes, this company had imported soybean meal from several different countries, endemically infected with Seneca virus. 
and they did this knowingly. And interestingly, two really important observations. They found the virus in the soybean meal that they had imported from these countries. And when they formulated diets with the soy and they fed it to pigs, that was the onset of the clinical science. And so they found the agent in the soy, Seneca virus, and it appeared to be live because when they fed the feed that contained the soybean meal with the virus, pigs got sick and showed vesicular lesions. So that's really an important take-home message here for the audiences. This just wasn't a swag. They actually did find the agent in this one ingredient, nowhere else in their investigation really of any significance. Uh, the soybean meal almost was like a smoking gun. And we don't get those situations as far as being able to report them because usually it's water over the bridge and it's too late, but this was so cutting edge, we really had an opportunity. So I appreciated the chance that they trusted me enough that, to allow me to write up the case. Would you say that this finding should call for a national approach on feed biosecurity? I think so. I think so. I don't know what else we could do. I mean, it clearly validates all the laboratory data that I've done, Megan Niederwerder's done, Diego Diao, the Plum Island Group off the coast of New York. You know, there's so much information that's been done in the laboratory. This validates that. And it being a real world scenario like this, I think that's clearly the message is North America has got to do something collaboratively. And I know the Canadians have been leading this since 2019 and I compliment them very much. And so the US has to take a similar approach. And I think Mexico does as well, because gosh, we've got lots of viruses now issues down in Hispanola. So we really got to put the, I think the, our feet to the fire here and get this done. And this supports the SHIP plan? Yeah, you know, that's one of the great things we've got going right now in the United States is the U.S. Swine Health Improvement Plan or the SHIP led by Dr. Roger Main and Iowa State University. I'm part of a feed biosecurity working group. So this plan has a several different pillars that producers are going to have to qualify before they can be claimed to be free of various diseases. And so, and one of these pillars is feed biosecurity. So we're developing a plan for the United States producers that in order to be certified free of ASF and CSF, producers will have to validate that they've got plans in place for feed biosecurity, traceability, surveillance, premise biosecurity, premise identification. There's a whole bunch of pieces to this, but I'm excited that one of the pieces is the feed biosecurity program because other than that, I'm not sure if we're ever gonna get anything like this done. What drives your passion about this, Scott? Well, I've always wanted to serve uh, the industry and protect animals from incursions of new viruses. And I've been working on this since eight years ago, I did. I had the first discovery of PED virus in feed along with my Pipestone colleagues back in January of 2014. So this is a very, very to the heart, close to the heart um, you know, quest for me. And, you know, after all these years of, of laboratory analysis, to have this opportunity for a real world case just fires me up to no end. And so that was the reason why I just sat down and wrote this up. So I'm really hoping people take a look at it. Does this finally close the circle on the feed debate? I think it does. 
I think it does. I mean, we published this in a journal called Transboundary and Emerging Diseases. It's probably the top veterinary journal in the world. And so the scientific rigor and the review that went to this paper was very high. And to me, what was interesting is how fast it pushed through the review process. Within a few days, the paper was already approved for publication. So that doesn't happen. And when a journal like that, at that level, says this is so important, we're going to accelerate this. And yeah, that's that was cool to see because clearly the data were good enough that the uh, editor uh, felt this was really important and needed to get out. So um, as an academic, that makes me feel quite good. But it just validates the information for the audience. And says this is not just some swag. This went through a very, very critical review, just in a fast one. Final thoughts, Scott? You know, I think it's just really important now. There's no question. Like you said, it closes the circle. You know, there's no, I don't think there's any more debate on whether feed can be a vehicle for moving viruses from farm to farm, or now we see evidence of them moving from country to country. So I don't think we should waste our time arguing anymore whether that's true or not. I think we should just figure out what we're going to do about it. And to me, having a U.S. ship program in place looking at holding time, looking at feed additives, looking at ways to neutralize the risk of feed as one of the vehicles that viruses can move around, I think is a really good idea. Well, Dr. Scott, do you thank you for bringing this to our attention today? Thanks for the time, Jim. It's always great to be in the swine web. And uh, I really hope your audience takes a look at this article and let me know if they have any questions. I'm happy to follow up. Thank you again, Dr. Scott D. Thank you.